Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. So for those of uh, you that are just jumping in with us, um, we're working through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been going through it. Uh, this is our seventh week actually going through it. Um, but a lot of what we've gone through kind of culminates to this last week and this week, these pivotal portions of the Scripture uh, where it goes um, from acknowledging who you are, the world that we live in, the fact that we groan, the fact that things are temporary, the fact that things are eternal, but then shifting it into what Christ has done and as a byproduct, how that's impacted our lives. So last week, these two verses that we're doing, this verse that we're doing today, the 17th verse, is linked tightly to 16. So I'm going to start with 16, but we're going to jump into 17. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm reading from the NASB. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Tonight, what we're going to work through uh, is a Balance between my story, uh, a little bit of my, a sliver of my story, uh, this verse, verse 17, and some stuff that I think all of us can walk away with. The reason why 2 Corinthians 5, 17 matters so much to me, uh, and people, a lot of people know this, not everyone knows this, but I'll kind of walk through. Um, before Florence hit, um, I started jumping into counseling. Uh, I've just jumped into it, and I walked into it um, as blind and naive as I could. I actually, my counselor didn't know, but I didn't need any help. She didn't know this yet, right? Um, I had a level head on my shoulders. I had a good idea of the things that I needed to do. I knew the word, and I, I just, I... I wasn't really the problem with anything. And uh, I joke with my wife um, because as I was going through counseling, uh, grace-based biblical counseling, which I'm so thankful for, um, man, she locked in on me uh, or my counselor uh, quicker than I could ever have imagined. And by session two, sessions two through like 20, I feel like, um, I, I probably cried every time. And I say that uh, because God was revealing to me things that I didn't even know were problems in my life. God was revealing to me things that changed the way I saw the world today. Some of these things were rooted uh, in lies from the enemy. And those lies inevitably negatively impacted the way I saw myself, 
my spouse, my family, and sometimes my creator. She walked through with me what it means to forgive people in your past and ways to forgive yourself in the present and for what you've done in the past and a more appropriate way or perspective to see God. And for my counselor, everything was rooted in this, this verse. She would say it to me over and over and over. And she would say, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that she would say it over and over and over that the old is gone, the new is here, right? Oh, that died with Christ on the cross. She, she would say it over and over. And as time went on over those two years since I was working with her, my scales, scales began to fall, and I, my heart became more soft, and my, my ears were more open to what not only other people were saying to me, but what God was saying to me through the Word and how I viewed myself and my environment after that. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 has made a big impact on my life. And what's interesting for me is that the, the verse didn't make an impact on me when I realized that I was going to surrender to Christ. It was after that. It was, it was after um, I'd accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was very far down the road. I was called to ministry. I was operating in ministry. I was leading. I was doing this. Um, but 2 Corinthians 5.17 was something I, I kept on getting hung up on. And I realized uh, that, you know, for me, um, a lot of it was uh, I, I, I am very quick. We're getting real personal here. I'm, getting, I, I'm, I'm very quick to believe the lie that my uh, acceptance is based off uh, my works uh, with everything and everyone. Um, that if I work hard enough, I will be acceptable or accepted. Okay? And this is rooted in a lot of stuff, but brought up and manifested in the way that I work, the way that I lead, the way all this stuff, right? And so, as I began to wrestle uh, with these things, I began to um, peel layers of this onion down to figure out what my root issue was. And, and as my wife and I began to unpack the way that this lie manifests itself and how I uh, raised my kids, how I uh, follow my Savior, how I lead myself, that my baseline of acceptability is a byproduct of my work. Tonight, we're going to talk about how um, it is not your productivity or your performance that makes you saved. It's your position. 2 Corinthians 5.17 teaches this. It's your position in Christ. So for me, this verse means a lot. Um, and what's great is I can honestly tell you I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still failing. I'm still controlling my attempts to. Uh, and I, 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 I know that a lot of us deal with this as well. You cannot walk into a church 
and not run into someone that struggles, whether they realize it or not, let me just say that, little disclaimer, that struggles with performance-based salvation. That struggles with work-based uh, worth or performance-based acceptability or love or worth or security. I would bet money that all of us do in some aspect of that. And these lies are rooted in something from our past. And all of a sudden, God, our loving Father, is the angry man upstairs, the wrathful God. He's the one that's always watching. The eye in the sky, you better do what you're supposed to do. It turns into, I'm going to heaven because I'm good enough. Or, mm, I don't want to share that because I'm embarrassed. All of these things are byproducts of that lie. So, my prayer for all of us is that as we dig into 2 Corinthians 5.17, as we look at the prodigal son, as we jump into Romans 8, we're going to walk out of here with some practical things that we can think about and, and actually have a firm foundation on believing that it is our position in Christ that leads to salvation, not our productivity or our performance. Verse 17 Part A. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is specifically talking about your position in Christ. If you are in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? That put your faith in what Christ has done. What being in Christ means is that Christ is the one that's done it all, is perfect and righteous, and if you believe that with everything that you are, if you've surrendered control of your life to him, then you are then planted in Christ and operate out of that power, in that freedom, and for that purpose. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, so if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've surrendered yourself completely to him, all right? That, guys, I feel like we should just keep preaching that over and over and over and over again. And I know that a lot of people in here are saved, right? They, or a lot of people think that they're saved, and I'm sure that this seems elementary to most. But there, I, I wholeheartedly believe that we can't open the word and we can't present the gospel and not acknowledge that there's some people in here that may not be saved. So in order to be in Christ, you have to have come to a point to where you recognize you need Christ, Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again. Throughout his life of 33 years, I'm 33 right now, guys, so it's a little tough, all right? Through his life of 33 years, he lived sinless, perfection. He's the only one that's had breath in his lungs and yet is still righteous in the eyes of God. 
He's in right standing before the creator. The same creator that had to banish all of mankind because of the actions of Adam and Eve, because of the fall of man, Christ is the only one that did not sin. Yet his, his, his blood was shed. But what's even more significant is there was a moment during the crucifixion where the cup of wrath, the wrath and judgment of our God, was poured onto his son. And for a small segment of eternity, Christ experienced something for the very first time and the very last time all at the same. Separation from God, the Father. That's what he, that's what he endured. And then he was buried. Three days later, you know the story, he rose again. He walked and he talked and he revealed himself. And then he ascended at Pentecost, or he ascended and then at Pentecost, 10 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ overcame not only every temptation and sin that is on this earth, but even the one thing that we all will endure inevitably, which is death itself. That's what he did. He is more powerful, he is stronger, he is more capable than anything you can throw at him. So when you come to a point to where you realize that's not you, okay, and the byproduct of that means the punishment, the, 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 hmm, the payment that is required of our incapability of living perfectly is separation from that which is perfect. You are separated from God forever because of his holiness, because of his perfection. If you accept that Jesus Christ did what he did, lived the way he lived, died and experienced the wrath of God, the punishment for sin, and he did it, he rose again, and he ascended to heaven where he will one day come again. If you believe this and you recognize who you are and why he did this and you put your faith in that, you have now relocated your position to being in Christ. You are in Christ so, for, for those that are in Christ, he is a new creature. The first part of this, it talks about your position towards God, you're in Christ. And, and then the next talks about how it, how it looks on the horizontal landscape of understanding that you are a new creature. I love in the Bible when they rename people. I kind of wish we still did that. 
I kind of wish that when we accept Jesus Christ, we were renamed. I do, I do, because that, that is an outward symbol of something that happens inside. When Saul became Paul, remember, he's writing this, right? Paul's writing this. So this is all still testifying to what God had done in his life. And, and so he's writing this to the Corinthians, right, who were Gentiles. These people, they weren't Jews. And so they, they know, they recognize that there was a moment whenever I, I put my faith in what this man was saying. I, I, I believe that Jesus Christ did what, what he saying that he did. And from that moment on, you now find yourself being a new creature. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. That's just how it is. If you are in Christ, the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Old things have passed. For me, this was a, a big speed bump. And I'm going to work really hard not to preach about what we're talking about in verse 21. I'm going to work really hard today to make sure we don't jump into what we're talking about in November. Um, because uh, 21, that's the key, okay? But uh, 17, right? Um, old things are gone. They're gone. For some reason, and I, this may be more common in others, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know all of you that well. But people either have a really hard time forgiving others and uh, have a really easy time forgiving themselves or have a really hard time forgiving themselves and it's really easy for them to forgive other people. Uh, for me, ah, depends on the day, okay? Um, Oh, man. Some, do any of you guys, like when you're talking, you're saying something, do you ever wonder, like in a moment, it's like, I feel this, but what would my wife say? <laughs> you ever wonder that, like, what would she say about me, <laughs> right? I literally just had that moment, because I feel like I do better at forgiving other people than I forgive myself, but honey, am I, depends. It depends, great. You're so sweet, honey, thank you. <laughs> Which means, no, Bennett, you're wrong. Okay, so we'll just go with what the way I, I I'm, okay, so I believe that uh, most of the time on average, uh, the probability is higher that I would uh, forgive other people a lot quicker than I would forgive myself, okay? And I have a hard time accepting that line there that the old things are gone and the new things have come. The forgiveness of one's sins uh, between them and God is usually easier to comprehend than the forgiveness of themselves. We oftentimes label ourselves or make judgments upon ourselves that drastically impact and shape our worldview. We choose to go back to that. We choose to date that type of a person. We choose to do this as a job. We choose to continue to put ourselves in a situation like this because 
We deserve it. Or let me spin it. Um, since in the past, it has been our performance or it has been our productivity that defines our worth, our love, our acceptability, or our security. In the past, those things are determined by how hard we work or how good we are at whatever we're trying not to do by obeying. And that bleeds over into our relationship with God. And so when we see that the God will forgive us of our sins, yes, that's great, that's great, that's great. In, in verse 21, when it talks about us receiving the righteousness of Christ, ah, no, that's not me. That's not me. But the problem is, is that if you're in Christ, step one, are you in Christ? Then the byproduct of that is that you're a new creature. If you are in Christ, then you have been made new. The old is gone because you've been made new. And the new things have come. You see, for the first part of this, I want you to understand from the perspective of looking in the mirror. I want you to think about how, one, if you are in Christ how that changes the way that you see yourself and how it changes the way that you forgive yourself. And, and what I love is that the old things are gone and the new things have come. That if you have breath in your lungs and you're going to bed, the sun will rise tomorrow. You have purpose and opportunity. You are blessed. You are called So each and every single one of us, when we look at each other now, for those that we do not know the position, that should be the priority in which we care and pray for our neighbors. Not their performance. Because, guys, we, we've already said this. We don't judge from the outside. We look at what's in. So, so what we challenge ourselves with is knowing the position of those that are around us. We don't judge by the performance. We don't judge by the things on the outside for what is within our heart. We, we, guys, this all Coleman is builds the last four weeks to caring about the position of our neighbor. Students, the, the people sitting right next to you, do you know their position? We've talked about this before. Our family, our friends, those that we work for, I did this on Sunday, those that we work for and those that work for us, do we know their positions when it comes to eternity? Or do we make guesses based on their performance, their productivity, or make assumptions trying to determine their fruit? An honest conversation about whether or not they are in Christ is a good place to start.
So as we, as we allow 2 Corinthians 5.17 to change the way that we see ourselves, and, and as we allow for it to change the way that we see other people, that I, I really do feel like the prodigal son is a beautiful illustration at the end of that passage, at the end of that story, um, of, of not only how we interact with each other, but also how God the Father sees us when it comes to a new creature by position and not choices how God the Father sees us. It almost doesn't make sense and doesn't compute. But that's what happens. And the prodigal son, you guys know this. You know this. Um, there, there are two brothers, and one of them is, uh, is kind of over this, kind of over this scene, uh, ready to go, asks father for his inheritance, okay? Um, so that's practically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Can you give me what would be mine if you died? So Dad says... Writes him the fat check, sends him on his way. Kid blows it, squanders it, lives a lifestyle uh, that is contrary to his family name and honestly contrary to what he was raised to do. There came a moment in his life when he was eating slop that were fed to pigs. The bottom of the bottom. Some of you are at that spot right now. At the bottom as deep as you could go. And he realized in that moment that even the slaves of his father, even the workers of his father, even the lowest of the, of the hierarchy back then of his father lived a better life than he did. So he decided to return. Zoom out from this angle, pop it over here with the father. Father standing with his eyes fixed on the horizon. That's what blows my mind. Is looking for his son. Now, I'm a believer that this moment wasn't coincidental in this, in this parable. That this moment wasn't just he happened to be looking one day. Um, he, was, he was looking for him. And when he came across the horizon, his reaction, not his response, his reaction was to do something that men did not do back then, men that had any, any level of respect. He ran. And back then, uh, guys, men wore like dresses. They didn't wear pants. Um, so he, he hiked up and he ran full speed to his son. And when he got to his son, he embraced his son. He didn't start with saying, hey, where's, uh, where's, the, where's the inheritance? He didn't start with saying, where have you been? He didn't start with saying, curfew was three hours ago. No, he, he ran and embraced his son. And, and, he, and he placed a ring on his finger. He called for the servants to get their best robe to cover the son had a prepared speech, and he was getting ready. He was, he was ready to do it. And the father said, hey, "Kill the fattened cat. Let's let's throw a party for my son has returned." And it didn't matter the choices that he had made. All that mattered was the position that the young man had in the family with his dad. Everything was restored. The ring and the robe were symbols of that. 
his power and birthright and his position within the household. It was restored. Not based off his performance. Solely based off his position. Now the other son, the brother, he looked at this in anger. Because he was judging. He was judging by the performance. His immediate thing he said was, look at me, I've been here this whole time. Which son didn't want you dead? Which son has been picking up the slack? Which son has lived the way he should have lived? That son, that man, was judging based on the outward and not the inward. That man was judging based on the performance, not the position. And he cared more about performance than position. The prodigal son is a beautiful, oh, beautiful illustration. Not only the way we mess it up, but the way the Father sees you right now. It's the way he sees you. For some that have wandered, his eyes are fixed on the horizon, waiting to hug you, waiting to remind you of what love truly is. For some of you, we get in the slump where we think we don't deserve it. We look in the mirror and all we see are our mistakes. We look in the mirror and all we see are the ways that we've failed. We judge ourselves, we condemn ourselves, or we surround ourselves with people that do that and we buy into it. But my prayer is that there's a moment when you wake up And there's a moment, honestly, when you look up and you realize that if you are in Christ, the old things, they're gone. The new things, they're here. And if you have breath in your lungs, you understand and accept that you have purpose in your moments. Next two weeks, we're going to be walking through how that should change everything. (laughs) And what a ministry of reconciliation actually looks like. But tonight, I just wanted to remind you, one, I wanted to tell you, one, get in position. If you haven't, Just do it. Two, if you have, just know that he sees you, he knows you. It's not based on your performance, but he loves you. And you don't have to earn it. Father, thank you so much. 
thank you for the fact that if we are in you, we are a new creature. You cannot have one without the other. For if we are in you, we are a new creature. And a byproduct of that is that the old things are gone and the new things are here. Father, I pray for everyone in here. God, if they, if they realize there's something up with the way that they see you, or there's something up, ah, there's just something a little wrong with the way that they see themselves. God, I pray that you bring those things to the surface. I pray that you allow us to do business with you. That Holy Spirit, you take those lies that are rooted deeply and you replace it with your truth. That the old things are gone and the new things are here. That you love us regardless of our performance. But you see us based on our position. And there's no better position than in Christ. So let us find rest in that, God. And let us worship as an overflow of that reality. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I just want you to just silently to yourself just say, God, what do I need to surrender? The Holy Spirit sets back everything, <laughs> then do it. Oh, God. For some, all you hear is give me the shame that you're putting on yourself. For some, it's say, he, God's saying, you're in Christ. That guilt should not be something you're holding on to. As we continue to worship, the altar is open. I challenge you, if, if, if there's something that he's asking you to give, then come up and pray and give it to him. Commit it. Surrender it. Maybe it's just coming up and saying, God, I, I repent for the way that I've been thinking, the way I've been seeing you, the way I've been seeing myself. Change me from the inside out. If any of you need specific prayer, I'll be on the side. If you need a prayer of salvation, you don't know what to do, or you need any of that, just come talk to me. Come talk to me. I'm available. Don't leave here not having done business and worshiping our Creator. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you 
You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.